0: Of the conversation we're privileged to have a contribution from one of the great creative talents of our time lin-manuel miranda may his beautiful words be an inspiration to us among the words he said and in the music we'll make it right for you if we lay a strong enough foundation we'll pass it on to you and we'll give the world to you lin-manuel and his father and the the Uh, Hamilton singers, who we'll hear from, said that they were all very honored to be asked to participate today. I call your attention to...
1: A new year brings hope for the future, new energy to
2: face the tasks ahead of us, and a renewed promise to strengthen the foundations of our democracy. We are all stewards of the American experiment, working to pass down to our children and our grandchildren a more perfect union that treats all its citizens with fairness and equity. We should never take our rights and liberties for granted and we must remain committed to finding
0: a way forward together. That's what I wrote about in the song Dear Theodosia from Hamilton.
2: What the f- So that happened. What the
0: fuck did I just listen to? I have to say this is the most self masculatory TED talk I have ever seen.
2: Like what even <laughs> Was he the best they could get? (laughs) Seriously, there wasn't like an elder statesman knocking around who could like harangue the listeners about civic duty or something.
0: Like they couldn't even get Barack Obama up to the plates? What the fuck?
1: (laughs) I just... So this is the vaunted... Liberal response to January
2: 6th. And this really was a thing that happened during the, like, whatever the hell that was they did on January 6th, 2022. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very solemn and important. Like, I got that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, I realize, you know, there should be a bit of gravitas, you can't have yourself screaming and pissing yourself and uh, you know, yelling at the security guards to like barricade the fucking chamber um like you can't have that um, you can't reenact that but it's like ah, uh, come on yeah, it's like I'm starting to understand why some people among us just don't take J6 seriously, because, like, the liberals
0: don't seem to. Like, I'm having this dawning motion in my (laughs) head that they're just going to keep the Hamilton cast, like, you know, in the ready at the Capitol building, so the next time something like this happens you know, the cast will come out, do their singing, expecting that it's going to do anything at all to stop another coup. The Hamilton QRF.
1: Totally. We need to station a quick reaction force of Hamilton singers in order to stop the terrorists. This is how liberals win. This is how we take J6 seriously. This is how we beat the forces of reaction. (laughs)
2: at least you know as far as we here at chop shop economics can see by the way welcome to the show as always i'm dr spider silver and
0: i'm harley back for the first time ever in quite a while
1: oh yeah
2: good to have you back
1: oh yeah definitely it just hasn't been the same But,
2: let's see here. Oh yeah, so, this episode. This one's going to be a bit different. We're not doing the usual weekly thing again.
1: Uh We're still not. We'll
2: get back to that. Or like, I don't know, maybe we'll try something different. I mean, we've changed format before. Yeah, Um,
1: (laughs) I mean, it's like...
0: New year, new
2: formats? Maybe. Sure, why not?
1: Instead of zoom scrolling for your benefit. Maybe we should just talk about the issues. Like, you know, anyone can regurgitate news. It takes special <laughs> ability I... to bitch about it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I, we we do have to acknowledge that as of time of recording, twenty twenty two has not so far managed to introduce a new lethal pandemic because technically omicron started in 2021 um uh, get a like you know near miss with world war three or have a coup against the u.s government attempt you know attempted so you know
1: uh-huh.
2: good job 2022 for clearing a really low bar
1: and now kazakhstan doesn't count we'll discuss it eventually yeah but not right now <laughs>
2: yeah so yeah this one is sort of we're breaking format to just sort of get into like both something that's getting increasingly apparent in current events and has sort of been like one of our driving assumptions on this pod like because like we did go into one of our other big ones in the last episode Uh which is you know money is bullshit So this is kind of, I guess, for folks that are new or old or anything in between, sort of getting at one of our other big assumptions that's just sort of been increasingly developing as the COVID response has evolved. And that is that the ruling elites are unbelievably fucking stupid for a combination of institutional reasons.
0: Yeah. That and a combination of malice,
2: yeah.
1: I mean, sufficient stupidity is indistinguishable from malice, so yeah. (laughs) I mean,
2: like, I don't think the people who were setting up the current, you know, political arrangement in the united states we're deliberately trying to get a result that's you know this terminally brain dead but
1: oh no like <laughs> to be fair to like all of the you know constitution humpers and founding fathers worshipers they were worried about something like this from the beginning like from the job they were worried about oh, yeah like this sort of elite decadence and decay and you know ossification where
2: like every single one of these motherfuckers memorized gibbon's book on the fall of the roman empire and gibbon is all about that like it's not entirely correct but dude faps himself off to it when he's not talking about how christianity destroyed the moral fiber of the roman empire
1: And it's like, they were afraid of this, but the problem is, is, you know, nobody had tried this before, really. Not in, you know, like, the bourgeois form was relatively new, and the constitutional form was also relatively new. And. So it's, you know, it's to be expected that they wouldn't have figured out all the exploits yet. But, you know, it's, you know, nearly 250 years later and oh god, it's nearly
0: 250 years later. Jesus. 250 years later and we have the same old constitution with uh, maybe a few added additions, but Mm -hmm. nothing at all you know constitutionally speaking that would fit for the here and now
2: yep and that's what we're getting at is and it's not just you know particularly like the constitutional problem because there's definitely folks that are way better equipped to deal with that than we are you know con con law scholars and shit like that like the people who are really up in that like deep secular theology there. Um, Instead, we're kind of looking at this more from like, you know, a class analysis perspective. And we're kind of, we're going off of other examples of where you had the collapse of seemingly secure, highly authoritarian societies in part because the people in charge were just unbelievably out of their depth. And, like, the three particular examples that we're drawing from, in contrast to, like, say, the founding fathers, are the Bourbon French aristocracy. So, basically, the people who got their heads chopped off by the guillotines, the Romanovs, and the various members of the Russian aristocracy prior to the Russian revolutions. And the late Soviet gerontocracy, like basically the people from Brezhnev on, who sort of like ruled the Soviet Union with an iron fist as it steadily deteriorated (laughs) all around them. And that's sort of like where we're drawing from for our frame of reference here. Um, And by the way, if you like this kind of content and the other shit we do, we have a Patreon uh, $5 a month not even like the cost of a cup of coffee at a San Francisco Starbucks Uh, gets you early access to regular episodes specials whenever we manage to get those out it pays our server bills and you know we couldn't do this without y'all's support so it's patreon.com slash chop shop economics
1: whoa ha <sighs> well
2: then we actually got the plug in
1: (laughs) okay so where the fuck do we start with this
2: mess i guess like there's like what we're gonna do specifically is first we're gonna get into background of talking about these different groups of elite morons um Uh and shit they had in common uh and then we're going to get into like the three particular things that are showing up both with these guys and with the people in charge of both parties and corporate America right now, which broadly can be summed up as insularity, um, ideological or other institutional blinders, and just straight-up corruption.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And then we'll go from there. So I guess we should kick it off with... What are we basing this on? Who are these, like, fucks that we're going to be riffing on first?
1: (laughs) Well, um, there's typically three groups that, you know, tend to be compared to the twilight of our elites. Um, the Bourbons of France in the pre-revolutionary era. Um, late Tsarist Russia. You know the twilight of the romanovs and the twilight of the ussr where by the time you know someone who understood that there was a festering problem and was going to at least try and solve it uh, it was too late it was a bit too late also he made some mistakes
2: yeah <sighs> There is that. Yeah, so what are, like, shit they have in common that fit with what we're talking about? Like, first, materially speaking, because, you know, we kind of do materialism here from time to time and don't just stick to, you know, idealistic explanations for shit. Um, Uh All of these groups enjoyed a significantly greater degree of wealth compared to the ordinary folks within the different societies in question yeah. like the difference in terms of quality like the difference probably within the soviet union wasn't as sharp but when we're talking like bourbon france or czarist russia like the difference of experience between like someone who was in the aristocracy versus like your average russian subject was like stratospheric yeah
1: absolutely like it's arguable that serfdom had truly ended in in tsarist russia in that even that late period like sure it had been formally abolished but had the relations changed not really not enough to like you know, change the mode of production not enough to like really get things moving on. You know, great power competition with the rest of
0: Europe. Um, oh yeah, my god! I, like, like if we, when we talk about uh, the sort of changes that we saw after the abolition of serfdom in Ru- in Tsarist Russia, um, it's often said like. That, uh, for industrialization, like, Czarist Russia basically had to feed peasants in, in order to industrialize the country. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was, and part of it was, like, you know, workers, in that sense, were an institutional threat to the power base at the time. Like industrialization, you know, gives the worker enough leverage over important functions of the state, of you know, the smooth progression of the economy and such just enough that like you know, some nobles may lose their position or lose rank or you know, all sorts of other fun bullshit.
2: Oh, yeah. And when we're looking then to jump back to, like, the Bourbons in France, like, particularly in terms of, you know, just lived experience, I like, if you were, like, France didn't have serfdom, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if you were not, like, a member of the tiny bourgeoisie or the aristocracy or the clergy, your life was mostly, you're gonna be a rural worker or maybe an urban artisan if you're really fucking lucky. And regardless of whichever it was unless you were like in the army you were regularly obligated to do corvée labor on behalf of the state yeah which was how france built their infrastructure was by going fine we're just going to whip some peasants until they do it um so like this was not an obligation by the way that the aristocracy ever had to deal with yeah as just like out the gate like, from there all the way up, there's just like a completely different world and completely different, like, material existence between these people. Yeah. Like, an aristocrat can actually get a real doctor to show up. I mean, they're probably going to, like, stick him with leeches or something totally fucking useless, but, <laughs> you know, maybe that'll actually work this time. Who no. knows?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hope Springs Eternal.
2: It's like, maybe this time the answer is leeches and that you can get the leech guy on call was a good thing. You couldn't do that if you're, like, you know, eating, like, French onion soup out in the field or something.
1: Uh, so. Uh...
2: Like, and yeah, like, Soviet, ordinary Soviet citizens, I mean, I wouldn't say they were anywhere near as immiserated as, you know, French peasants or Russian serfs, but there was definitely a world of difference between i have to stand in line between to get my regular staples and higher members of the party being able to get whatever they want on call
0: yeah like
2: like that that was a thing people could see in their li- lived experience
0: like i think one of the uh unique characteristics compared to the you know pre-revolutionary france and Late Czarist Russia versus with the uh, the late USSR is that in late USSR you had this gerontocracy uh, that had like a cl- that had acclimatized and had built up, and you, you know and was not allowing the younger generation to take power.
1: Yeah, and on the economic front, you had like ten years or so ago from like the 85 Gorbachev era perspective like you had like a surge in consumer goods even if they weren't necessarily great and now they're starting to be pulled back because in between we had like the oil shock in 79 and all that all the fun shit that fell out of that because basically the USSR happened to get lucky that you know they could go Petra state, basically. And
2: that... Sort of. Sort of.
1: And that's like, you know, it's the resource curse, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. That they zigged when they should have zacked, and they got stuck in. And it's... That happens a lot. Like, there's whole reams of, like, research that's been written on this. Yeah,
1: And it's like... What I want to emphasize here is that it's not that like you know all of a sudden everyone was administrated because nuclear war or something. It was because you know conditions started to improve and then abruptly they got yanked back. Um, And part of that was like part of that was because you know the party was
2: you know yeah yeah and and that gets sort of to the next thing which is sort of builds off of this whole like consistency of just vastly different lives Mm -hmm. is the degree to which the members of these different like aristocracies were fairly insulated from the consequences of their decisions like because to work you know most recently like the soviet like aristocrat, like the people in charge like you know khrushchev was actually like you know a, like i think he was like a coal miner or something like that before the russian revolution um and you know the folks like lenin and stalin and shit like that like brought banks and trains and shit like these were people who went out and like were very familiar with like taking risks and shit to do Yeah, lenin was literally
0: um, like a small town lawyer who was uh helping peasants deal with like how much they're being fucked over by the states
2: yeah That like yeah these are people who had to learn how to fight with very limited resources whereas like you know the folks like even like gorbachev who understood shit was falling apart these were all people who had more or less grown up into like the apparatchik position or they'd been in power for so fucking long that there was just nothing else that they knew like even brezhnev was you know a bit later on he wasn't one of the folks who cut his teeth like actually fighting the czar the way that even khrushchev did like he is sort of the beginning of the post-revolutionary generation in the soviet union yeah so like these are people who are not like they're folks who are used to having power and used to basically being able to get their way like you know certain supreme court justices um
1: (laughs) and it's like the other half of that is Like, in very real terms, it's like, you know, the the Soviet Union was in this sort of twilight state. The revolution, uh, the world revolution had basically hung fire. And, (laughs) I mean, who's going to ride to your rescue? there there isn't yeah and it's like there's also you know the specter of nuclear war if you try to like push your luck try to like get things moving so like there isn't really this how to put it
2: like there's or, nothing that's allowing them to change the fundamental parameters yes yeah.
1: like they're they're basically stuck waiting for
2: like shit. They have no power over.
1: They're waiting for something to happen, you know, outside of their circuit. They're waiting. They're basically waiting for things in the West to fall apart so that they, you know, revolutionary politics can start happening again so that you know history can start
2: happening exactly like and then you get to like to roll it back further then you just get the russian aristocracy who in fairness you know did have fairly recent experience with the 1905 revolution Mm -hmm. but still were you know of a tradition that For, like, you know, basically half of a millennium at that point, or almost, had ruled with, like, the absolute sanction of God. No question, no dispute. Like, if you wanted a shorthand for, like, brutal authoritarianism anywhere in, like basically in europe or like the americas or whatever you would say things like russian despotism because they were like the absolute monarchy that was seen as like as much a fucking fact of existence as the sun
1: yeah
2: and like these are people who (laughs) even with the whole serfs being let go still basically were living the same lives as before yeah and
1: it's like With that, you know... I mean, with the Gerontocrats... You know, falling into that... Holding pattern... As, you know... As they ossified that... You know, that was at least... Understandable. Like... With... With the Tsarists, it's like... You know, they've got... Divine sanction... For their ossification. Like... They have no reason to change anything. Like, this is the way it works. This is the way it has always worked. And it's best not to question things unless they prevent us from, you know, performing the functions of state.
0: Yeah, and even the segments of the Russian aristocracy and the autocracy, like, you know, even when they were faced with uh, the revolution in 1905, the mm-hmm. Russo Japanese war, with the sort of like wake up calls that, that led, that each of those led to in Russian society and uh, the surrounding mm-hmm. like territories, like, you know, they would maybe make this or that concession, you know, sort of just, you know, give it the benefit of a little bit of time but as soon as people got distracted or the like the situation was changing they would try to roll back things as much as possible
1: yeah and it's like you know you think that getting rinsed by a country that like 45 years ago was basically nothing on the industrial stage like you, uh, you would think that that would have woken some people
2: up. Or like watching as the still very much a minority of the Russian population working class managed to grind the mechanics of sustaining that war to a halt when they were like, yeah, we're not really all that interested yeah. in dying for the Tsar anymore or sending out anyone else to die for yeah. that matter. I mean like there were the, the the whole pattern of the soviets that show up in the russian revolution in 1917 first happened in 1905 just you know just saying and we're totally not you know sneaking up on 12 years out from <laughs> occupy um God.
1: it's like yeah i mean they didn't want to drown in japanese territorial waters
2: like, <laughs>
1: yeah. I like go freeze I mean, in Manchuria. Just...
2: So, but you know, they had the wake-up call, and there were elements that were trying, but they still just. T- like even as you know you're describing Harl's about the like them offering concessions and extending them, I can almost see them like standing around being like, "Yeah, well, what are they gonna do? We've got the Cossacks. Yeah. That's always and, worst." And the,
0: the funny, the funny thing about the co- the Cossacks is they were loyal almost up until the end, but when things were starting to change and late Tsarist Russia, it's when the Cossacks decided, "Hey, maybe we should, like." feed our wives and not let uh any state officials, you know, punish our wives for wanting to eat. Like, yeah. <laughs>
2: Whoops. <laughs>
1: and the bourbons. What the fuck did they do? <laughs> this
2: Oh, they were just so that whole thing about divine right of kings being you know longer than living memory like not only did you have that with the french aristocracy you had the accepted fact that france was the powerhouse motherfucker of europe and that was not entirely wrong like france had the largest population the greatest economic output a stupidly ridiculous like food output and uh, All kinds of money lying around and a huge tax base. Like, they, like, French was and endured well into like the early 20th century as the language of diplomacy because once upon a time, France was the biggest dick in Europe, especially when the monarchy was in charge. So, like, you've got all these problems that you're seeing in like the mindset of like the Romanov aristocracy. And then you add in. And we also know for a fact we're king shit. Like, we're not just, like, a long-standing autocratic tradition. We are the most successful power on the continent.
0: And the, and if we take the example of Tsarist Russia, uh, like, Tsarist Russia was one of the prominent powers for enforcing reactionary politics on the European continent. Like, oh, yeah. any, like, revolutionary that arose, their first problem when they thought about, like, who they'd have to deal with ultimately, it wasn't the British, it wasn't the French, it wasn't the Germans, it wasn't the Austrians. It was Russia.
1: His Majesty's Secret Service.
2: Or just yeah, His Majesty's exactly, Armies. <laughs> like russia did not give the single slightest fuck about other people's sovereignty if it came to crushing a revolution and they could draw a straight line between there and saint petersburg
1: like what i was trying to get at was like this is they have a very impressive um repressive apparatus like Uh, people some people have this idea of like you know the current American deep state as being like this all powerful entity that can that is manufacturing all dissent and all consent and so you know you don't need to rebel because blah 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 Um, there's no point everything is a CIA plot um (laughs)
2: I mean, <laughs> let's look at the CIA plots to kill Castro, including ones that absolutely yeah, came like, out of Looney Tunes episodes.
0: There is also, uh, come on, that one case where uh, they sent uh, an assassin, an assassin to kill him, who Castro ended up seducing, and they slept together <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> Like, they're not the Aquanah
1: here. <laughs> we yeah. did not send our best to Langley. I'm sorry. We just and like.
2: Not. Well, let's re- let's remember like Bolivia for a hot second. How'd that turn out? Like Elon Musk being like, I'm getting my own personal coup that totally doesn't have at least CIA assets involved, and they completely shat the fucking bed. <laughs> This is like a Tuesday for the United States yeah, in yeah, another like, time period. Come on. Know,
0: yeah, earl- earlier on in history when you had uh, Hoover in charge of the FBI, any revolutionary who wanted to make a change in the United States, Hoover would wi- Hoover and his agency would wipe them out very very quickly. Like he like he and his agents, the apparatus he built up could like get a very accurate idea of what revolutionaries in their own quarters like were thinking, what they were doing, like had a good sense of where they, of where the momentum was, what points they could hit. But you compare that to nowadays when we look at uh, what the modern FBI or another part of the security apparatus, when like. When you look at leaked documents or declassified documents that talk about this or that about the left, and they get these models that don't conform with reality, that don't conform with materialism.
2: Wasn't there like one that came out from portland that the feds were all like yeah we've tried infiltrating anarchist groups but it involves too much fucking reading and it's not worth it because they'll figure it out in five minutes
0: <laughs> and then just like even <laughs>
2: it's like i don't know what the anarch groups they're, anarchist groups they're yeah, talking about like but
0: <laughs> even like regimes when they have a sharp uh, repressive apparatus like czarist russia like had like a repressive apparatus that could come down hard on like you know any leftist and radical in its quarters and even with all of that like you had this like you know this movement of like leftists and workers who merged together who like Became this huge force in late Tsarist Russia. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, that's worth keeping in mind that these guys who have just this inculcated hubris, and it's not, you know, undeserved, may actually have like a lot of confidence that's really misplaced. And they're operating as if everything is working normally and it's not. And that sort of gets to, like, the last part, which is, you know, the United States, in a very similar way to all three of these periods in history, has mired itself in significant amounts of indebtedness. Now, granted, the way sovereign debt works means that's not really a problem, because finance is fucking black magic at this point. Um, And all that matters is America says the dollar's good, so that's good enough. Um, But yeah, without getting into that shit too much, it is fair to point out that from the 1960s to present day, the United States has gone from a net creditor nation to a net debtor, which is something that it has in common with these other polities, um, has you know, just recently been bogged down in a fairly extended, ruinous period of overseas warfare. And is still acting like none of that has happened. Without even going into the domestic upheaval that's at work.
1: They finally managed to formally end the Afghanistan war in, like, after, like, 20 years, and Oh, guess what? The Op four just rolled right over them, just immediately.
2: Like not even. I mean,
1: maybe (laughs) y'all. I mean,
2: it wasn't really a fight.
1: Destroyed the last of the communists. I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but and, and just. Everything involving U.S. policy in the Middle East since 2001 has just been a fucking disaster. Like, like we're not just talking, like, serious policy reversals. We're talking, like, the U.S. got itself into at least two Vietnams, minus the, like, you know, officers being regularly fragged by their soldiers' part. (sighs) And a bunch of other smaller fuck ups along the way, while also losing on Pacific. And like we look at
0: like our military nowadays, like there have like been major problems with recruitment. Like you know, even with the poverty draft, you know this or there. Like there have been number issues that have made it very very difficult for the military in recent times we have a military industrial complex that because they have optimized around their equipment being as cheap as possible, have also gotten a really poor quality of equipment as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, like we look at like a lot of like, you know, ships or airplanes and it's like, it's a disaster. You look at the Pacific fleets, uh, you know, barely functioning. We look at recent, uh, airplane design attempts like what was it the F-35 where they tried just for a long ass time to try to graft the plane into its existence and we didn't get anything out of it
2: Yep, we mostly managed to lose a bunch of wars that. And didn't we really have, like, first you know, place. an
0: increase of division within the military itself, where, you know, a lot of lower ranked soldiers and officers have realized that, like, oh, maybe the United States isn't, like, the moral power in the world, and maybe I need to fight for something better.
1: Hmm. Like,. Here's a small example of that, um, because I went and decided to poke around and what's happening with the F-35 right now. Um, It turns out that the Marine Corps has been having problems deploying their F-35 C's and B's because they don't have enough pilots. (laughs) They have one (laughs) attack squadron working right now. Um, it's not B oh, series, it's Cs. Um, they were supposed to be getting B models. Um, that was the whole point of Joint Strike Fighter. That's why, you know, it's such a shit show because it has to be, like, you know, vertical takeoff, short landing. Yeah. Well, short takeoff, it's vertical landing. gotta do landing. everything. Um, and it's gotta do everything. And we're now at the point where it's starting to be deployed, this big expensive fucking boondoggle and we don't have any pilots for it.
0: And the hilarious thing <laughs> to think about is even if, you know, we manage to get a decent number of these aircrafts and a decent number of pilots They're whether... literally
1: cutting the order! They're yeah. literally cutting F-35 Yeah, exactly!
0: But yeah, even if you got a decent number of both like if whether you look at you know Russia or Iran or the PRC like these are places that have you know built some of the most top line anti-air weapons in the world but if the United yeah. States were to try to enter into a conflict with any of them our air force would turn into what air force
1: yeah I mean it's like I mean even Russia
2: yeah it's just it's the graph plane and it's like everything else it's like why it's like on average five times as expensive to do any kind of public works project in the united states as it is anywhere else on the planet because of just how many layers of just graft that you have to like fulfill to like I mean, shit, look at the California high speed rail. Like, because we, you know, we've riffed about like Kaiser Newsom and California being one of the more functional parts of the United States. And let's look at this for a sec. Like, this is a project that has been approved by the voters, received additional funding by the voters in the legislature, and all kinds of support from all up and down the state. And they still haven't built any fucking track in 10 years because they're still stuck in court over NIMBY oh bullshit. God. Like- back to the like and because of like <laughs> fucking freight lines and commercial rail and just all this bullshit like, that like there isn't any functional track down yet and it's been over a decade purely Meanwhile, because of
1: this crap.
0: Uh, you know look at the PRC which you know started their high speed rail program you know around us. Uh, Similarish time, like with and like in the amount of time like between time. then and now, like has some of like has rapidly expanded all across the country, and like this is not 16, poor quality high. Miles. Sp- yeah, exactly. And this is not like poor like quality like high speed trains. Like this is the top of the line. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is genuine like what high-speed rail is supposed to be and can do but that doesn't happen in the u.s because take your pick whoever knows somebody is like actually i want that contract well my cousin wants it my buddy from college wants a a piece of that and you know i mean on and on it fucking goes like i'm the fucking mayor i'm the supervisor i need a and for like a big example nowadays of
0: that uh something that maybe other a lot of people have heard about is, like, you know, going to the moon again with NASA. Like, you had, like, them deciding to go with, uh, SpaceX, and then, you know, Jeff Bezos just got so offended and just so up in in an uproar, and, you know, suddenly, like, oh, you know, we have to think, like, you know, are you gonna use, uh, you know, this, like, spaceship made by Amazon money that's not gonna get into space very well, or are we going to go with something that even if it's been, you know, made by Elon Musk company, still has much more of a reliable record?
1: Yeah, like, Bezos doesn't even have a second stage. Like, his big stunt, you know, several months back was, like, they did it on a first stage as, like, a demo. And the problem is, is that in order to, like, fly an actual rocket that people take seriously, you really need more than one stage. And when you know it, they don't have that stage designed yet. And the mission is in 2024, so, you know, good luck qualifying that rocket. <laughs> <laughs> and Bezos wants to whine yeah, about him not is... getting the contract. Well, no shit, you can't deliver. <laughs>
2: On like what's and, and you know you could just go up and down like government procurement and shit like you know the fuckery mm-hmm. that's happened around COVID tests entirely because somebody was like well wait a minute I, I I know somebody who's at the FDA mine costs more money fast track mine and also there
1: was like <laughs> let's see you know the whole um, oh we should start getting rid of. We should start getting rid of tests because, well, you know, we don't need to bake anymore. This is almost over, so let's start clearing out and destroying the inventory. Because
2: um, you know, just in time logistics, yeah. nobody has any fucking like, warehouse. Space. Going back
1: to the F thirty five, like Russia, a country that is well known for its craft uh, graft and corruption at all levels of the defense industry. Oh. Has managed to produce not only an F twenty two beater but an F 35 beater, the Su seventy five checkmate. The Chinese did that too, and
2: it's that's (laughs) a great name. By the way, that's like just such a fuck you. They give them
1: like (laughs) you know two kopecks and um, a Chuck E. Cheese token, and they make a working stealth fighter <laughs> like okay like I'm, I'm sorry America is like done you know. at being on the top militarily and on the home front like this is we can't even manage Like we can't even manage to get COVID tests something that like the UK a country that doesn't actually exist anymore <laughs> if you listen to Trash Future um <laughs> They somehow managed it and yet we can't. We had to have articles in, like, the fucking Atlantic telling us do not take tests. Um, you're stealing tests from
0: a poor hungry mouse. <laughs> and it's like there are legal mechanisms in place where, like, we could use, like, more industry powers to, like, manufacture as many tests as possible and like as long as you don't like graft it out to like every single like actor who's a little greedy and you know have like the state you know manage the distribution process you get enough tests for every single person in the united states but do they do that no
2: Like, it's such a far cry from, like, you know, roll it back to, like, you know, Roosevelt, who, you know, this show safely considers to be, like, the best president of the 20th century. Um, who, when, you know, the co- you know compared to all the others, anyway, not great from a lefty perspective, but he knew what the fuck Competence he was doing <laughs> um, with state power and didn't give a fuck. Like, when it looked like hostilities were breaking out in Europe, he, uh, like grabbed a bunch of industrialists in and brought them in and said gentlemen I'm gonna need you to start making me 300 bombers a day and they said Mr. President that's not possible and then he you know said the 1939 equivalent of suck my presidential (laughs) dick and do it and they uh, did but you know it's like the opposite of what we have now of like (laughs) I mean, shit you had things like even during like you know the kennedy administration which wasn't some great world beating like you know populist thing there was like this group that was calling itself like the sons of business who were like trying to do the usual deregulate bullshit and kennedy like publicly referred to them as sons of bitches <laughs> or like if you
0: take uh, the example of lbj like he, like who like what because of like you know Pressure from protests that were happening at the time was very determined to put the great society system in place. Anybody who stood in his way, he just unzipped his pants and showed his dick—not metaphorically, literally. He was notorious for this. <laughs> yeah, but he like, called we're it jump. approving. Yeah, that. we're not
2: endorsing <laughs> this.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, we're not. We are saying that would be a significant improvement over what Joe Biden's doing with Joe Manchin.
1: Come on. (laughs) Like, dude, just take him for a ride in the F 35, Uh, in like the F 150 Lightning. Just, Just do it. Just take off, just put on the sunglasses, take off your reading glasses, and take him for a ride. You know, explain to him, like, you know, the, yeah. the secret service will probably pull you out, uh, pull me out before they pull you out. And uh, what's this I hear about your daughter? <laughs> but he won't.
2: You know, it, and that's just what's so amazing with these people is like this corruption, and sort of like overlaps almost with like the kind of blinders they have towards, you know. Anything that doesn't fit within no. their assumptions I mean, about how the world works. <laughs> like, I mean, it's at fucking all. incredible.
1: Like, he very badly wants to be FDR. He has talked about it repeatedly that he wants to do a new deal. He wants to be known as, like, the latter day FDR. Like, that's his thing. And.
0: But you ha But what happened? You know, we had all this rhetoric, and but nowadays, what we see is a, uh, you know, two cars, uh, you know, block the way out of a parking lot. I mean, two senators will, will, like, hold up everything that could, like, you know, potentially make a difference for like, you know, the everyday person in this country, mm-hmm. and like, you know. If it if it wasn't them, it, they would roll out, you know, another two senators or another three, whatever. Like,
1: like yeah, there's like this they'd grab Angus King or yeah, you know, like, or uh, Tester, the guy from Montana. Like,
0: like there's, yeah, they'd find someone. Like there is this ruling class that has forgotten that if you don't make concessions to the people that you rule. Especially when they are starting to get quote-unquote unruly, a.k.a. when they are starting to organize, when they are starting to build, like, you know, a worker movement, like, when you're starting to see, like, a mass leftist movement starting to arise from, like, previously what had been this, uh, you know, subculture instead of flicks, you know, yeah. Instead of thinking, you know, like FDR, where where he thought, oh, I need to prevent a revolution from happening. They think, oh, you know, all, all these breath won't be able to, like, get into power. They won't be able to stop us. We can just do whatever we want.
1: Yeah. And that's leaving aside entirely the insurgent right. Like, you know, who we opened the show up with.
2: Yeah. Like, that is literally, that happened. We're not making that up. You can Google that shit. It is like, that was a centerpiece of the whole, like, whatever the fuck that was pageant on January 6th, 2022 to commemorate 2021. And it's like, compared to what you know, governments have actually done when you know people try to stage coups or other things that sort of fundamentally challenge the legitimacy of the state
1: would have killed them all like no question
2: oh yeah like J. Edgar Hoover would have already had every single one of these fuckers like like, (laughs) strung up with piano wire not would not have blinked like let's be real you know,
1: the current dictator of kazakhstan would have just simply killed these people
2: well, that's I, what he's trying I, to he do, can't even so. manage
1: it and he's a <laughs> you know uh, he's part of a state and a government that like you know we like that the uk likes that china likes that russia likes that you know the business class really fucking love K- uh, kazakhstan because they are so open to neoliberalism <laughs> <laughs> and he's willing to step up and you know kill his political
0: enemies like what the fuck here <laughs> yeah like you know in and, recent yeah, like a of in other parts of like, the world Every time when this has happened, like, the party in power has realized, oh, it's time to make a purge. Does, you know, is that happening now in the United States? No. Is this podcast arguing that the Democratic party in power should do a purge? No. I mean, that would bring down shit on leftists, like, in addition to the far right. And we don't care about the far right, but... You know, government pers- persecution, you know, ends up falling on our side too. Most of the time, actually. But it's just yeah. like this basic logic of power, oh. of hegemony that keeps a state in power, a capitalist state in power. They just, mm-hmm. uh, they've forgotten it.
2: Aren't they like convinced themselves it's not like what? Actual hard power shit is just not necessary cause norms and shit. Like like, like we were talking about this in the pre-show that there's like, you know, the season finale of West Wing in the fir- like the first season. Um it ends with like these two like neo-Nazis literally taking shot at the president of the United States. And it's like a plot that has been building throughout the first season. So this isn't like some Thing out of nowhere this is something the narrative makes a big fucking deal about and then you get into season two and you have the explicitly jewish uh staff member who's having to be the one to argue against everybody else going but that's not morally right that maybe the u.s government should fucking crack down on neo-nazis because a couple of members of that movement after sustained harassment by that movement yeah. tried to shoot the fucking and, president and the like the place it lands on is all the staffers being like yeah but isn't it better that we live in a society where there can be people who disagree with the gut go- what the government does and the government just lets them just do their and, thing
1: and'm not exact words but that's the with, gist of it that would not even be a question they would not even talk about it. Like, they might talk about, you know, um, do we need to, like, just kill them all? Or do we need to, like, wipe all of their families out down to some generation? But, you know, when the deep state is, like, unleashed, like, this is not a question. Like, this is just not a question.
2: Like, it feels almost like based on the logic that's in that weird ass Aaron Sorkin bullshit, which we know has massively infected the thinking of the Democratic Party at this point, or at least, you know, the old guard within the party, um, especially with all that shit in the Obama like oral history where all the staffers were like openly cosplaying like they were from the West Wing. Um, Like, like (laughs) it's embarrassing um that's all i'm gonna say it's embarrassing as fuck um but um just that there is i think there's just this underlying assumption of well what they did was violent therefore it's obviously illegitimate no one will treat it as legitimate (laughs) problem solved and And, and, you know you were kind of suggesting miss silver that maybe they actually think that the yeah. fucking clip and we like we with talked about this, this
0: particular example in the pre-show but there uh there is this far right publication i forgot the exact name of it what was it smith silver yeah the claremont institute That's the
2: claremont like, institute
0: this wasn't claremont. a paper that they leaked now this was a, a paper that they publicly you, you know published and presenting their case about the mistakes from uh, that went on with the push in January 6th and Mm -hmm. their conclusions was, Oh, we need to have like more supporters like at key points in the military if we want to succeed next time. And like, I remember saying like last year, like after J six happened, like, yeah, like sure. The far right is deorganized now. And, is like finding its bearings but it's going to learn its lessons it's going to reorganize and we're going to have to deal with a powerful threat later on and if the far right follows these conclusions we're going to find ourselves in a civil war probably sometime during this decade
1: yeah like I mean it's like the the Claremont Institute literally wrote an AAR while these people were going, oh, we need to impeach Trump, but we're, uh, we're not going to do anything else. Uh, oh, yeah, we're, uh, you know uh, we're, we're tired. <laughs> we're, let's just go home. Like, they were literally yeah. writing an AR being like, okay, we need to learn these lessons. We need to figure out how to make sure that next time we don't fuck this up. Because we nearly had it in the bag. We could have had it in the bag.
2: And what's like really astonishing about the Libs' response, and again, this is not at all advocating that they actually do any of these things, this is just, you know, I'm saying, these are the tools they are leaving on the table. Ones that prior administrations have never hesitated to use it. any and all excuses are things like the Smith Act, which was passed during the 1950s, during the Red Scare, which explicitly states that advocating or organizing for the violent overthrow of the United States government is a federal crime, which at the time was written with, you know, communist revolutionaries in mind but you know literally there's a federal statute that says all of the shit that the january 6 people were doing on facebook for like a good six months before it happened is prosecutable mm-hmm. like the supreme court probably would throw it out yeah. because they're chuds but still like, and
0: step like, one the... And, there's like, literally a lot. There's not this. a shortage. Like there is a legal corpus stemming from the Civil War and afterwards that the Union used in order to make sure that any remnant supporters of the South like couldn't sabotage the efforts of like prosecuting the Civil War. And afterwards, they had a whole variety of tools, including like part of a, like a constitutional amendment to deal with like insurrectionary acts that threatened their very power, their very position.
1: They probably wouldn't hesitate to use them on us, to be clear. But the fact that they don't really take this threat from the right seriously
2: i'm just <laughs> and you, this kind of gets back to also the insularity thing of when you look at who it is that's taking it seriously it's basically the members of the squad cuz like you can very appropriately particularly around like the infrastructure bill criticized the squad and the progressive caucus for how they've handled the past year of legislating there's people who do that for their entire bit we're not going to try to get in that lane um what we're pointing out here is regardless of that they're basically the only voices within the democratic caucus who have been consistent in going we need to throw these people out of Congress and lock them up because they tried to kill like, us. Like
0: even the most reformist, like rightist part of our movement acknowledges that the far right is an incredible danger that, like, that we can't ignore. That we have to do something about.
2: Yeah, like AOC, for example, and Cory Bush has also done the same, have openly advocated for using the 14th Amendment to expel Republicans like Matt Gaetz and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and other folks who probably were involved in helping make J6 happen. Yeah. Like, they've been publicly saying, we need to throw these people out of Congress and put them under criminal investigation. What the hell's wrong with you? But it would
1: break norms, so we not have that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you are standing in the incinerated bones of norms. Like, did you think that summoning Biden in to, like, replace Trump would suddenly restore all these norms? No. Like, norms are enforced by actions. And there are no actions to enforce these supposed norms. So... Do they really exist, or is it just that we remember them existing? Like,
0: that's. (laughs) You know, like, you know what was a norm that was enforced with a huge amount of strength until the supporters of it, like, forgot that they could get out of power the divine right of kings. Like, this was, you know, a foundational concept in the, (laughs) like, political economy and structure of Europe that lasted for hundreds of years. But as soon as the ruling class got insulated, as soon as, like, you had these issues of corruption and nepotism, of institutional and ideological binders, like, you know, of, like, their economies turning against them, like, by that point, like, this norm that was enforced for such a long time, crumbled apart. And it didn't go away simply, like, the entire history of the 19th century shows that like, it took time for, like, the feudal economy for monarchies to break apart. But, it, that transition... For the the most part, with the exception of some remnants, completed. Like, monarchism is not a fundamental power in the world anymore.
2: And, And, you know, to point out a more recent norm that sort of disappeared, like, all of the podcast hosts are old enough to remember when it was, like, an accepted consensus position in the U.S. that Nazis are bad. Like, that was a norm once upon a time, folks. That was a norm for quite a while. Like, that was a norm from when my parents were born, and they're legit boomers. I... (laughs) So how about that for them norms?
1: I just... I don't know what to say to this. It's just... God. God fucking damn it. (laughs)
2: Well, I'm like, and that just gets the whole, like, and I think part of it is they're just completely insulated to a degree that is kind of actually dangerous, like that these are people who institutionally, personally, whatever, are just never going to face consequences either in any meaningful way. And just to kick that off, there's been this clip going around from the director of the CDC lately about the whole thing with the recent rise in COVID deaths and, Just here's the tape.
0: Your illness. Given that, is it time to start rethinking how we're living
2: with this virus? That it's potentially here to stay.
1: The overwhelming number of deaths, over seventy-five percent, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. And yes, really encouraging
0: news in the context of Omicron. I seem to remember something very very similar said. Earlier on in the pandemic, not during the uh, Biden administration, but during the Trump administration, of uh, they didn't die of, of COVID, they died with COVID. It's the same thing. They're saying that they didn't die, you know, of COVID. They're saying it's because, oh, they had, you know, A, B, and C, so on of comorbidities.
2: And there's just a certain undertone of a certain holiday classic that I'm sure many listeners were enjoying in recent weeks. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it. You know, something it. like that. Decrease the like surplus population. Properly Dickensian, roasted in some Malthusian yeah. bullshit. By the way, the Muppet Christmas Carol is the only (laughs) real Christmas Carol. The end. (laughs) I will not be debating this position.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. And like the future, like revolutionary uh, union of America or whatever. Like there will be a requirement of like at least seventy five percent Muppets in the movie, (laughs) in each and every movie.
2: (laughs) I'm good with that. Uh, th- I think that would be a significant improvement for pop culture <laughs> like I'm just imagining the m c u with seventy five percent muppets and it's just already seventy five percent better
1: <laughs>
2: wow. so yeah, insularity um <laughs> I think that's enough riffing on Muppets to satisfy <laughs> fair use um <laughs> Um, So insularity, like it's just this whole thing of that. These are people who, again, because they have wealth and power and resources are just utterly removed from consequences of their actions. And, you know, from a legal perspective, the moment that every I mean, arguably the moment Nixon got pardoned and everybody just sort of went with it or when all the Iran-Contra people got pardoned and nobody went after Reagan, but definitely when Obama refused to prosecute members of the Bush administration for any part of the fiasco that was Iraq. Like, I mean, I'm not sure which precedent y'all want to say was the turning point, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the three that was like, yeah, if you're in power, law doesn't matter. I think it's
1: kind of the cumulative weight of them all at this point. (laughs) like, laws don't matter if you're connected enough.
2: Like, fucking Ollie North is, like, until recently, the president of the fucking NRA (laughs) and had a show on Fox. After doing treason. (laughs) Like, textbook definition of treason.
1: Oh, boy.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, that, like, yeah that that whole like legal thing of it seems that both parties have sort of nodding and weakly said you know as long as you don't like literally kill more people than hitler we're gonna let it go Um, and
0: like we're at a point where like the wealth gap in this country surpasses like the wealth gap that we saw in france before the like revolution and I would not be shocked if the numbers were similar for, like, Tsarist Russia before the revolution.
2: Like, and there was, I mean, there's probably a similar perceived, though not as materially real one in the late Soviet Union, like, if nothing else, because party apparatchiks could get shit on time and everyone else had to wait in line, like. I mean, that's not the stratospheric levels of bullshit that is the distance between an Amazon worker and Jeff Bezos, but it is it is a real inequality. And more particularly, when we look at shit like the CDC director being like, yeah, I don't give a fuck if you die, you like poor degenerate peasant. Like On one hand, one should be stopping going, well, wait a minute, anything that makes this plague that... Theoretically, anyone can catch more virulent, more common, more whatever is bad. So therefore, even the ruling elites should have some interest in mitigating this shit. I invite you to look back at when Donald Trump got COVID. And I just would like everyone to ponder and I'm not making any body shaming comments here. I'm just putting out there that Donald Trump is probably not a very healthy man he is in his late 70s he got his personal physician to uh, give the most bullshit and evaluation ever when he was running for president and there were questions about his health coming up and it was just straight up like the child wrote their yeah. own permission slip type shit
0: like there's only on. one rich man it, like with worse of a health than like trump and that is mr burns of the simpsons yeah
2: Yeah, like, I'd be willing to wager that, like, 90% of the listeners of this podcast have, like, healthier living habits than Donald Trump in every possible way. And even that motherfucker, the moment they got him, and he was intubated, let's not forget that. He had to go all the way fucking under, and so did Boris, too. And, but... He got fucking intubated at the Walter Reed Presidential Clinic. He got fucking experimental shit like Regeneron and other shit that was just still is not available to the public and came out fucking fit as a fiddle on the other side, which was much to our chagrin on this podcast at the time. We really were pulling for COVID there. I mean,
1: hell, look at Bolsonaro, who has he's had like, not only COVID-19, but every other fucking disease. And he's still kicking. That motherfucker is still kicking somehow.
2: Because, like, when you're that rich and powerful, you do get Keith Richards changing his blood in Mm -hmm. Switzerland levels of healthcare. You get, I need a new liver? Well, there's going to be some child in Rio that nobody's going to miss. Like... Baby, <laughs> allegedly.
1: It's just, yeah.
2: Like let's, I mean let's be real, QAnons. Like if there's any QAnon crazy people out there listening, I I don't think elites are harvesting like children for like, pedophile shit. Though that definitely is happening. I think it's just straight up organ transplants. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: get they're doing that. Let's be real. It's organ <laughs> transplants. The blood of the young.
2: <laughs> These motherfuckers want to live forever. Like, Elon Musk has straight up said yeah, he wants like, machine immortality. They so. don't need
1: oxidation products that only occur in the brain. And, you know, don't even cross the blood-brain barrier. No. They they just take your blood.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know with the shit we know that's available to the most wealthy and powerful people like you know on the level of director of the cdc they personally mm-hmm. even if they got covid are probably going to be fine because they're going to get shot full of the kind of treatment that should be available to everybody that is necessary to walk it off where and they'll get the time off from yeah, work they need exactly. to recuperate
0: like, in the United States, if you are not, you know, somebody who has, you know, the wealth, the connections, the prestige, whatever, in order to, like, optimize your health as much as possible, like, if you're just, you know, the regular schmuck, like a worker or something, or, you know, someone of the lump in, like, and you're having health issues, because there is, like, no universal health care, there's no national, like, health service in this country that can do any of the sort of things that like should be a response to this covid to like this covid crisis that we're seeing nowadays because like like because there is that lack of infrastructure like we are seeing this like huge amount of death that has happened in this country
2: Yeah, yeah, you could argue that, I mean, we know for a fucking fact, legally speaking, there are no consequences for these people. Like, there haven't even been consequences for the former president who, in front of the whole goddamn country, sicked a mob on Congress, live broadcast, and they'll shrug off COVID because they have access to the blood of virgin children or whatever the hell it is they used to keep Trump alive may as well be Uh,
1: so apparently
2: which means of course You know these fucks don't appreciate consequences. Like,
1: you know, the funny thing is, is like they just now got around to um, subpoenaing um, uh, subpoenaing Trump, and it wasn't even for like, you know, the J six stuff. It's basically for did the Trump organization manipulate the value of their properties? Which probably, that, that was probably a thing. Oh.
2: <laughs> are, are you in real estate in the city of New York? <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> That's like going after Martha Stewart for insider <laughs> trading.
0: And if we want to, like, use an example of, uh, you know, of, like, fucking around on the other side of the aisle, I, we have Pelosi recently who said that, yeah, that, like, can, people in the Congress should be able to, like, trade as many stocks as they want, you know, insider or not, mm-hmm. with no shame at all about it.
1: I mean, she's got, a fridge, two fridges, worth like thirty thousand dollars. Like, yeah, of course she thinks that, you know, she could do whatever she wants.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, and those fridges are just for the ice cream. She gave a fucking live tour to local television of her ice cream fridges <laughs> when COVID started.
1: God damn.
2: Like it, ah, uh, it you get like when you're at ice cream fridge levels of opulence. Like I don't think even Marx could have conceived that. Like he restrained his like m- imagination of elite decadence to golden toilets, but like ice cream I mean, fridges. I on the contrary,
1: I think that he restrained himself because. You know, it would be hard enough to get his argument taken seriously by, you know, the quote-unquote mainstream of the time, if he had mentioned things of that nature.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, a refrigerator's pretty fucking futuristic from the 1850s.
0: Marx, come to the future? So, all this stuff has happened. (laughs) Marx! (laughs) that you can refrigerate cream in a a freezer that's powered artificially
2: (laughs) what that that would be like in some order with wait so you went to the moon the moon in the That you
1: can go and you went there (laughs) and like you actually did it (laughs) even worse and you can't do it anymore (sighs)
2: yeah so yeah that's like I think that kind of really sums it up of that we have this unique combination of people who are there because they know how to scratch each other's backs not necessarily because they know what the hell they're doing They are completely removed from the real world consequences of what they're doing in Mm -hmm. any practical way.
1: And it's like, it's very telling the sort of people from our generation and the previous one who they will let into the halls of power.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, there's just such a rigidity that is like at least the Soviet Communist Party was flexible enough to let in Gorbachev. Just gonna say, as much as we've been talking shit on the gerontocracy of the Soviet Union, they actually had enough give to let this guy get an appreciable amount of power in the first place. Like, shit still went haywire, but that's, like, better than the DNC. I mean,
1: to be fair to the gerontocracy... They weren't sure how to get out of the mess they were in. I mean, they were handed a almost impossible task to begin with. And (laughs) this, this is like normal state shit that, you know, the US, even the US has been able to handle, even the UK has sort of managed to handle this stuff and yet we can't.
2: Yeah. Like this is like when we're talking about the gerontocracy, we have to remember they never were in a position of, we are the preeminent world power with two oceans on either side. No one can meaningfully threaten us. Our economic core is an insanely productive internal market that just requires regular investment and keeping the graft down to a dull roar like they didn't have the advantages that the u.s did and even like czarist russia they were one of the great powers of europe but they were not like fuck you we're the british empire and no one questions us or you know bourbon france which was at its time the preeminent superpower like i mean fuck right before the revolution they just humiliated the british empire (laughs) like with all that shit in the americas oh wait yeah Mm. the the u.s has something to do with that but (laughs) like like there is like at least like that the gerontocracy they have material things excusing them like this just pushes the fucks we've got even further in the wrong yeah. direction. Like
0: of... our ruling class like took that long list of advantages and just started throwing each and every one into the fire. And if they could somehow drain all the oceans in the world, they would get rid of like the two ocean advantage too. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, don't give them any fucking ideas some dipshit on wall street's probably gonna write a position paper on it an oceanless <laughs> commerce world we said it here first Goldman Sachs looking at you we all know why <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it's like, it's what's so astonishing is that these are people who even now, even with very legitimate questions about the loyalty of the security services, they still have enough power to do a lot more than they are. I mean, hell, they can't even manage a proper red scare like for fuck's sake they couldn't even do that to distract from everything they going do shitfaced
1: scare either, which would be even easier to sell
2: that was like gift wrapped to them <laughs> delivered on their porch with like a shiny ribbon a fucking yeah. bow even Rupert Murdoch was ready to let the bastards twist in the wind for a hot minute
0: uh. I mean, it's like... Look, you could have just, like, you know, gotten Bloomberg, you know, thrown him into, like, the head of, like, I don't know, some, like, security agency, and he would have, like, hung all those fuckers. He would probably have hung a lot of the left, but, uh, that's Bloomberg for you.
2: Yeah. But, you know... And again, we're not saying we want to see the federal government do any of this because, you know, we probably would be some of the people who get it in the neck. But, you know, it's really telling that the U.S. political class is faced with so many different problems and so many different crises that it has legal, institutional and other means to deal with. That are just sitting on the table. Just gathering dust. And like, whatever the specific reason is why, these are people who have no imagination and no appreciation of what's in front of them. Which means at the end of the day, functionally speaking, the best thing that anyone doing left organizing can assume from people in positions of power is they're going to probably at least seriously consider some of the stupider options on the table. Which include the ones that just don't work.
0: You know, be prepared for uh, every federal building in the United States to have a obligatory Hamilton cast, you know, in the building at all times in case somebody tries to occupy and invade it. like I said,
1: we need a Hamilton QRF.
2: (laughs) 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 New agency Mm -hmm. with the Department of Homeland Security. If you spend too much time on 8chan, Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to pop up on your screen. Then he's going to sing some bullshit about the Constitution.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, I think this is the point where we really have to lay down uh, the question in response to this, of this growing crisis within the United States and our ruling class just high up on cloud nine, you know, not doing anything about, like, the growing crisis that we are in. And I mean, that is the question. What is to be done?
2: (laughs) Uh, Dual power. Yeah. Fuck it. Mutual aid's cool. Community defense is cool. Labor strikes are fucking awesome, especially because we're probably going to see a sort of impromptu general strike because, you know, there's a thing we've been talking about on this podcast for a while that the U S labor movement does not have the means to start a general strike. But the ruling class certainly has the means to provoke and, like, one. If we,
0: if we want, like, our uh, labor movement to get to the point of being able to, like, y- do a general strike, motivated on its own, like, that involves merging, like, the growing mass leftist movement with the labor movement. Like, it's all, you know you know good and all to like have like you know a rank and file like militant uh movement in your union and all that but if it's just solely for the sake of the union and not for like le- for like a leftist consciousness like <clears throat> we're gonna have our labor movement running around in circles and circles
2: yep and you know now's the time like, fuck it, organize shit, fuck shit up when when the bastards fuck up, humiliate them for it because they're gonna do it a lot, and people are gonna remember that shit. like, and you know, I mean, this podcast has never been up on electoralism, but you know, if you are with the electoral folks over in the DSA, now would be a great time to start putting knives in the backs of seemingly safe Yeah,
0: Democrats. like, this is the time to be putting, like, like, discipline in place for the people that we elect so that they become tribunals for the working class. Like, it's time that we demand a new constitution, you know, to, like, for both, like, greater democracy here, but also for, like, You know, the working class to, like, to seize our place in history. Like, this is the time.
2: And, you know, just to hedge our bets, there are some frighteningly competent people on the far right. So when we're talking about the general incompetence Mm -hmm. of the American elite class... That is excluding scary motherfuckers like Steve Bannon and Steve Miller and all the rest of the really awful Steves that seem to be half yeah, of the like, American alt-right.
1: This is what we're mainly talking about as the faction that's in power now. Like, I don't think the Republicans are mm, as suicidal.
2: Yeah, let's go. Well, like, I think they've got a different breed of suicidal stupidity, and it's not so much the suicidal stupidity that the libs have of norms will keep us safe, it's more the, if we don't do it now, we're going to be mm-hmm. fucked forever stupidity. Which is a little more dangerous, because it does lead to people actually occasionally yeah, stumbling onto that good is ideas.
1: like you know, some of them are willing and able to enact the thousand years of fascist darkness. Like, that's what they want, and they have a program, and...
2: Yeah, like, they know what they want. And it's like, part of
1: why J6 did not succeed was, you know, they they had, like, neo-Nazis, like, trying to lead the whole thing and such but you know there weren't enough of them the crowd wasn't quite listening to them they weren't quite coordinated
2: also there was that whole like absolute day of (laughs) such called officer goodman yeah
1: they got the timing bad um
2: And the whole absurdity of that Senate staffers knew how to barricade the door because of Uh, school shooter drills.
1: Yeah, like...
2: You know. But yeah, so it's... I guess that's all we can say for what to do. Again, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash chop shop economics. But yeah, this is... I guess, to start off 2022, you know, there's worse ways to do it.
0: (laughs) So. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is gonna be the decade in the United States that the question of socialism or fascism, like, will decide, like, the decade to come.
1: Yeah.
2: (sighs) Yup. So from all of us at Chop Shop, back for the new year.
0: We dip our uh Good luck. we dip our eyes into the loom of fate so you don't have yeah.
2: to <sighs> <laughs> We're the ones that are shotgunning yep. our sand rolls.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I took six sanity damage from all of this. <laughs>
2: you know that that yeah. is an improvement over when we started for i, I think across the board for everybody
1: uh, anyway
2: because <laughs> we were like chugging that like fucking sand damage like it was water once upon a so, time yeah, like
1: bye everyone this is hard Hi.